We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, hey, welcome to the final week of the message series that we've called EXO, Doing Relationships God's Way. We're so glad that you're here and maybe you're joining us online. We just want to welcome you. And we are excited as we head into the Easter season. Next week, we start a brand new message series called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. But hey, this week is a very, very special week. Why, you might ask? Because I get to preach with my lovely wife of 25 amazing years of wedded bliss which I think calls for a little EXO, a little big hug, little kiss, little hug. Big little kiss, kiss, little hug. Right? Come on, don't you think? Yeah. Do I have lipstick? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Thanks. Oh, we missed you. We missed you last week. We got away and we celebrated 25 years together. And um, But it was really great because we got to join you when we were gone. It was very special to be able to see worship and the word. And pastors Josh and Brooke did an amazing job last amazing week. Amazing job, yes, didn't they? they did. It was so good. And if you haven't heard it, you might want to go back and listen to it. It was called Why Relationships and Why Intimacy in Relationships is so important. How God created us for that and how it helps us grow, helps us flourish, and his design for that altogether. But one of the reasons that we could see it so amazingly as we were gone is because Pastor Josh has done an outstanding job covering Absolutely. all of our production, so all of our online stuff, and yes, you can give it up for him. And I remembered that this week marks one year that the bourgeois one family year. has been with us. And amazing. We, yeah, give can we it give up it up for, for them? Absolutely. Yes. What an amazing addition to the Hope Church family. We're so glad that you guys are here. Yes. And Pastor Josh is teaching next steps, and Pastor Brooke is here somewhere. She's but right we love here. you guys. We so make so, sure you give them some love so, today. So, so grateful. By the way, they showed up and they got here on the last Sunday that we had church before we were shut in for two months. Could you imagine showing up for a new job in the middle of all that craziness? And they've just, they fit. I, I had a prophetic word that um, God was bringing somebody who would fit like a glove and they just fit like a glove in this house, yes. don't they? Yes, we absolutely love them. Pastor Brooke has taken our worship to the next step and Pastor Josh, our production. Not only that, raise your hand if you've been affected by them in some way. Exactly. They're amazing. We absolutely adore you, and we are so thankful that they are here with us. So we celebrate you. Okay, so if you are going to have any sort of real relationship, this is not talking about Facebook or Snapchat where you're just snapping messages back and forth. If you're going to have a real relation relationship. What? Those are not real relationships? <laughs> surprise. Those of you who are how, how old and under? Uh, 20 and under? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, inevitably, you will encounter conflict. Has anybody in this room encountered conflict in relationships? Never. never. Actually, raise your hand if you never got into a fight. Never. Wow, you guys are the honest ones. We had a bunch in the first service. It was amazing. I told them they're preaching next week, so, yeah. But if you have had any relationship we have this thing called conflict. Now conflict, a lot of people think that is a C word, that is very bad word, dirty word, but it's not. Conflict is something that is part of our normal lives and we can grow through it, we can grow, grow closer together as couples, as friends, but it's how we deal with it. 
So 1 Corinthians 13 is normally known as the love chapter, which it absolutely is, but we also believe that it shows you how to love through conflict. So we are going to read that together. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I possess all the, if I give all that I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I am nothing. Love is patient. View this through conflict. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records, no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It protects, it trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Never fails. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that challenges us, that convicts us, that changes us. God, I pray today that this scripture, this passage, God, the way that you love, this agape love, that it would be something that transforms us from the inside out. Father, I pray, would you do me a favor? Would you just put your hand on your heart? I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every single person here and watching online that you would, um, your word would go down deep within them, God, that it would be like a seed that would plant within them, God, that it would bear forth fruit and, and have uh, the effect that you desire. God, I thank you for every person here today. God, we know that they're not here by accident, but God, that you planted them here, you put them here, you positioned them here, and that you have something specific that you want to impart to them today. God, would you use it? Would you use it to change them, transform them, and change us, God, that we would not leave here the same that we came? Father God, we give you this time. Holy Spirit, we give you full permission. This is your service. Have your way. And God, corporately, we just want to lift up our nation to you again. Father God, we cry out to you for mercy. We cry out to you for wisdom. God, you say yes, God. to ask for wisdom and you will give it to us. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come, that you would make paths clear. God, we pray for our president and our vice president. We ask, God, that you would invade their space. God, we ask that you would invade the Capitol. You would invade the White House. God, that you would invade government again. God, we thank you that you didn't desire that there would be a complete separation of, of religion and government. God, we ask that you would would come again. God, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. And God, as we set our affections on you, as we seek your face, God, not for things, but because we want to know you and we want to know your will. We seek you, God, that you would come and that you would heal our land. God, I ask that you would tell us too, God, that we would search our own hearts. God, what can we do? You have called us to make a difference in this world, to be a light. And God, I ask that you would spark our hearts for what we can do. We ask, God, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done, that you would forgive us when we have not taken action we should have. We give you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, baby, you prayed with some passion there, some fire. I love it. I love it. 
Yeah, as much as we love our spouses, our friends, and the relationships that we have that are closest to us, inevitably, you're going to get into some conflict at some point. There's going to be fights, there's going to be disagreements, and it's not that we are not going to have conflict, it's how we handle that conflict that makes the difference. Love is a battlefield, said the great theologian Pat Benatar, right? Come on, love me some Pat Benatar. Love truly is a battlefield, and if there's one thing that we've learned over the years, it's that, that conflict is inevitable, and, and how we deal with that conflict is really the key. And you could be married for 25 years to the man of your dreams, the perfect man, and, and you could even be on vacation in a perfect place, just like, you know, I always thought it was funny, you watch shows like The Bachelor. I'm like, okay, put me up in a mansion, give me romantic dinners, fly me to some secluded island. Who wouldn't fall in love? Everybody's good looking, come on, right? That's, but, but Disney has taught us and give us, given us this picture of what real love looks like that just isn't reality. Even Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And I don't think he was just talking about our circumstances. I believe that he was talking about our relationships. Relationships matter, don't they, babe? They do, and we have a lovely example for you. After 25 years, we were on our vacation, and I approached my lovely husband basking in the sun with his iPad, and I said, what are you doing? Uh, um, no, baby, that's not quite the way it went. Oh, no, we did. <laughs> I was reading a book on my iPad and you stood in front of my son and I looked up and you were standing over me and you said, what are you doing? Totally not true. I would never say anything with that tone. I said, what are you doing? Because I wanted to invite him to go to the pool with me. But instead, after 25 years, I know the look on his face, and I know that I might not have responded very nicely, so I just walked away, got in the pool by myself, and came back about 15 minutes later. I had no idea where she went. I'm looking around. She's gone for like 15 minutes. Next thing you know, I go back to reading my book, and I look up, and she's sitting over there with her back turned towards me. <laughs> And I knew no. something might be a little bit Again, off. not completely true. I sat down and just gave a little shoulder. Oh, a big just shoulder. a little shoulder. That was a big <laughs> shoulder. It may have been hot out, but it was cold right there, let me tell you. Just a little shoulder <laughs> lets him know that I am not quite pleased. So. But, 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 but it's okay because after 25 years of wedded bliss, we may have learned some things over the years. So I asked her if she would like to go to the pool with me, and we did. And I took we, a deep breath. I forgave him for his rotten attitude and said, I would love to go to the pool with you, darling. Yeah, so 25 years later, and over the years, you do learn some things, don't you? You learn how to work together, how to work things out together. And listen, we don't have it all figured out. We are not the perfect couple, even though I know sometimes, you know, you look at couples, you look at families, and you think, man, they've got it all together. You look at their Instagram life and their Facebook profile, and it looks like everybody has everything together. But it was interesting. I was um, watching this movie, and in the movie, there's uh, two characters that just get married. They go to Europe for their honeymoon, and on their honeymoon, it's a disaster. Everything falls apart. In fact, they fly back home early from their honeymoon, and they separate, wondering if they've made a terrible mistake. And the guy goes, to his father's house for some advice and his dad's watching a baseball game. They're watching a baseball game together and, and he said, Dad, he says, I think I made a really big mistake and I don't know what to do about it. And he's like, why? 
You've been married one week and you got into like and you got into a couple of fights. He said, You see that photo book on the table? And on the on the coffee table was this photo book of years of pictures of beautiful memories and moments of their family together and their marriage together. And he see he said, You see those moments, son? He says, You see those moments, but what you don't see is all the moments in between that we had to work through things and we had to put in the hard work and we had to be intentional. And it's the moments in between that got us to those moments that are in that book. And I think that is the way for all of us that that those things, um, we have to understand that there are things that we have to work out. That if we're not careful, we could get into these patterns and these cycles and these habits of fighting and, and resolving conflict that are not healthy. And a lot of times it can be based on the way that we grew up, what was modeled to us by our parents or the lack thereof of having parents and trying to figure things out on our own. And for many of us, we have wounds of the past that, that have been inflicted upon us that, that change us and they dictate to us the way that we uh, try to handle conflict. And if we're not careful, those things can get into patterns in our life of the way that we handle things that are not healthy. And what happens is over time, as we don't learn to handle things, handle conflict from a biblical way and a biblical pattern, they begin to be cycles that we get stuck in. And over time, inevitably, when we learn to fight out of emotion, when we learn to fight out of our wounding, when we learn to, uh, to fight just out of our pride, we end up hurting each other with the things that we say and the things that we do. And because we don't know how to resolve it, we end up staying on surface level issues and we never get to the root of it. We just brush things under the table and we think that time will heal all wounds when time never heals wounds. Only Jesus can heal wounds. And because we continue to brush things under the rug, we, we make up so there's some kind of semblance that we're okay for the moment, but inevitably those issues come back around and we end up hurting each other again and we get in the cycle of what I call the fight trap. And what is that fight trap? The fight trap is just that, is when we get stuck in these unhealthy patterns of dealing with conflict that hurt each other, that wound each other, and over time they become these patterns that uh, we build up resentment over time to the people that God put in our life to be the closest with. We build up resentment, bitterness, over time, anger, and we stop seeing the good in people and we start seeing only the bad. And if we let it go too far, we get to a point where we start, start feeling hopeless and we wanna give up and we wanna escape the relationship. And oftentimes, um, something can happen where we have an extramarital affair because there's somebody else that actually sees good in you and you haven't had anybody speak that in you for so long and you become very vulnerable. And if this, this cycle does not get broken in our life, it will eventually ruin your relationships. I call it the war that you cannot win. The war you can't win. That's the title of our message today to you, is the war that you can't win. I kind of relate it to, you remember when we were kids and we used to play tic-tac-toe MT? I do, and I was actually quite good at winning. Well, it just so happens that I have a tic-tac-toe board right here. Would you like to play with me? Let's do it. 
Oh, I know that you always like to win, so I will allow you to go first, which obviously is a huge advantage. So would you like to be X's or would you like to be O's? I don't but I'm going to take it. I will be X's. Okay. Ladies first, since I'm a gentleman. Okay. So I really didn't like the way that you just said that I like to win. There was a little bit of attitude behind it. I don't, why would you do that? Uh, because you do like to win. You're hyper competitive. Maybe just a little bit, but you are very competitive too. You really like to win. And I always feel like you're pointing out these things that are negative in me. Me pointing out things in you? What about last night when you brought up something from a year ago that I said then? Uh, well, I wouldn't have to bring up our fight from a year ago if you weren't in a pattern for 25 years of not taking out oh, the trash. Here we go. Here we go. I don't take out the trash a couple of times, and now I'm the worst husband in the world. Please forgive me, Mrs. Perfect. Well, I'm not quite perfect, but... None of this would happen if you just did what you said you were going to do. We've got five kids, and I have a lot going up in here, and I don't need to remember to take out the trash, too. Of course, this always happens. I'm always the bad guy. I'm never going to be what you want me to be. I'm never going to be the husband that you want. And of course, you're always perfect. Well, I'm not always perfect, but I don't like fighting. And this was supposed to be a fun game, and now you just ruined it all, and I'm going to win. Maybe not, but I tried. See, and just like that, when we fight in that way, and I would call it fighting dirty, and we don't learn how to handle conflict in the right way, no one ever wins. Nobody wins. It's a lose-lose. You cannot win this war. And so the first point that we need to recognize if we are going to learn to love and handle conflict God's way is... It is that we have to recognize that the people that we are in relationship with are not our enemy. They are not our adversary, but they are our ally. Yeah, the Some, person you're in relationship with is your ally, not your adversary. Sometimes we get just going in life and we think, oh, he meant to say that or she meant to do that. But no, they really are not. They probably, if you married them, you guys really liked each other at some point and they're probably on your side. So it sometimes it's good do. to take a pause and, and remember that. But we do have two enemies that we believe in conflict. And the first one is a spiritual enemy, and that is Satan. He is our adversary. He is the accuser and he is the father of lies. And this enemy absolutely hates relationship. He hates it because God ordained it. God ordained husbands and wives in their relationship. He ordained the family, which we see both of those things in today's society are under attack unbelievably. And he hates relationship. He, helps, he hates healthy relationship because it helps us grow. It helps us become more like Christ. So there is an example um, of the first two brothers in the Bible, Cain and Abel. And the devil really came in in a pretty strong way. You know the story. They both brought sacrifices before the Lord, and one was accepted by God and one wasn't because one wasn't brought how God had asked it to be. And um, Cain was really upset because God didn't accept his sa sacrifice. And so um, he said, God, what's up with that? And he said, well, you didn't bring it to me the way that I asked you to. And, but then God gives him a warning because God knew that something was going on in his heart that was not good. And this is what he said. He said, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. 
but you must subdue it and be its master. The devil is always all around us. He's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he wants to get in our relationships, and he wants to destroy them. Ephesians 6.2 says, we are, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil, rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. So when we have conflict, we really need to pause and just remember, get back to the basics of who we are, who God is, and recognize when the enemy tries to come in. And a lot of times, we all know that he knows us pretty well, right? Just like your spouse knows you pretty well, the enemy knows you pretty well. He knows your past wounding. He knows your past hurts. He knows areas that he can come in and he can get a foothold. And if he can, he's going to come in and he's going to do that. Now, in my life, I, um, my parents were divorced. Some of you know a little bit of my testimony. And my dad was a complete jokester, super funny all the time. But there was an edge to that where he would make me feel stupid, um, where he would be joking around and it would kind of turn sour. For instance, we'd be driving in the car and I'd be like singing the song at the top of my lungs that I loved when I was 13 or whatever. And he'd be like, who, who wrote that song? And I'd tell him and he'd be like, well, let's keep it that way. So subtly, he would say things to me, and, and they would hurt. So I would feel stupid. So I grew up half my life just feeling like stupid, like, oh, is, is my outfit okay? Is he going to make fun of it? I got a haircut. Is he going to say that I look like a boy? Like all these things. So there's a trigger inside of me, and this is a way that the enemy has been able to come in, and Lance and I have worked through this, and he recognizes it. Thank God. And that's what our, our uh, relationships are supposed to be for. He can recognize it in me, and he can see when I'm about to just not get good <laughs> because if I feel stupid there's this thing in me like no I'm not stupid I'm okay I'm good so that's an area and right before our trip I don't even remember what it was about but um, something with the kids anyway I felt totally stupid and I completely shut down so remember that the enemy is out to get our relationships and the church it's so important, people. Yeah. It's so very important. We try to guard our leadership team, all of us as a whole, guard our relationships because we know that the enemy wants to come in and destroy our relationships because it's going to come from the head down. And all of you, let's be really good at seeing the devil and what he's trying to do so that we can keep our hearts in a good place and that we can be what God has called us to be as a church. Yeah, the second enemy that we all face is the enemy of me. The enemy of me. So my pride, my selfishness, uh, my wounding could get in the way, and I can be my worst enemy when it comes to conflict. So many times, the conflict isn't because she's done something necessarily wrong that deserves a fight or conflict, but it's it's in myself. It's my own selfishness, my own pride, my own need or desire to be right, or desires that. Um, may or may not be healthy inside of me. And we need to recognize that when that is taking place, when we're engaging in conflict, we've got to check ourselves. And uh, James 4, 1 through 2 speaks right into this. He says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your des you desire because you do not have, so you kill. Now, let me pause there for a second, because for many of us, we're not going to kill our spouse, at least I hope not. Um, but I think oftentimes we can kill them with our words. 
We can kill them with the way that we treat them. Our actions can hurt them, can cut them deeply. And they may not be dead physically, so to speak, but we could leave them bleeding emotionally to where life is just draining out of them. And so you covet and you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have, and this is the key right here, you do not have because you do not ask God. So many times... Are, we are looking to our spouses to fulfill something in us that God needs to fulfill. Like our relationship with God has to be the place where we find our fulfillment, our joy, our peace, our love. If we're not getting it from God first, we cannot expect to receive it from our spouse. And for too many of us, we're putting too, too much pressure and too, there's too high expectations on our spouse to meet needs in me that if I trusted God to first meet, I wouldn't be so needy to have my spouse need, meet those needs. And now I'll say that, and in the same side of things, I will say that I believe that God created relationships to be one of the most fulfilling things in our life that um, just like Pastor Josh and Brooke explained last week that God uses our relationships to bring out things in us that God put in there to, to recognize the, the giftings that are in her and for me to steward those giftings to call that out and help her to be the woman of God that God called her and made her to be. And um, so what we have to recognize is that God puts you in a person's life to help you heal them, not hurt them. I'm going to say that again. God puts you in that person's life to help heal them, not hurt them. And I can tell you, this has been so true for me. Earlier in my life, there were so many things that I was wounded as a child. Um, I dealt with rejection. I dealt with a lack of feeling loved and valued. And these were deep wounds within me that God had to, had to work out of me. But I never, I'll never forget, right after I got saved, I was 20 years old, working three jobs, came home from a job one night, just exhausted. I was renting a room for my aunt and uncle, and uh, they had had dinner together, and there were some candles still in the living room with some soft worship music playing. And I come home from work just exhausted, tired, and quite honestly, in that point in my life, I was single, longing to find the woman of my dreams and relationship. And I sat down on the couch, and I felt the presence of God so strong in that room that night. It's one of the few times in my life that I felt I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but I will never forget the words that God spoke to me in my spirit as I sat there and tears came down my face because he spoke to me. He said, Lance, he said, the lack of love that you experienced in the first half of your life, I'm going to give you a double portion in the latter half of your life. And I believe that this woman, yeah, I held on to that promise from God. And I can tell you that every day I thank God because I believe that part of that, that promise is being fulfilled through my wife, how her love for me, her unconditional love for me, when I'm at my best, when I'm at my worst day, that she still loves me for who I am. And God has used her in some amazing ways to bring healing to my life. And so there's, there's a couple of statistics that I want to share with you that I think will really drive this point home. And, and the first one is this. You want to read it, MT? Sure. According to researchers at the University of Utah, 93% of couples who fight dirty will be divorced within 10 years. That's astounding. And check this one out. Researchers can actually now predict with 94% accuracy whether or not a couple will stay together based 
solely on how they fight. Not whether they fight, but how they fight. Isn't that amazing? That is just amazing to me. So this is the thing. We have to understand, and this is our point number two. Conflict is inevitable, but you get to choose whether it draws you closer or tears you apart. I'm going to say that again. Conflict is inevitable, but you and I get to choose whether we allow it to draw us closer together or tear us apart. And there are two responses that are negative that we're going to look at. And one is fight, which would be an attack. It would be when you have your guard up and you respond really quickly. And the other one is flight, when you remove yourself from a conflict or situation because maybe you don't know what to do with it or there are past hurts or things that are coming to the forefront of your mind and you just are challenged that way. And all of us have a natural tendency to lean one way or another into these responses. And sometimes we don't even realize it about ourselves that this has kind of been ingrained in us over the years. And I love this quote. There's a couple of books that I want to recommend to you. Obviously, this is such a big topic, and there's a couple of resources that are really good. One is called The Peacemaker by Ken Sand. It is probably one of the best books on how to resolve biblical conflict. Ken Sand is a, a Christian lawyer. Just an amazing book. The other one is more specific. That, that deals with all kinds of relationships, that book, The Peacemaker, um, from business relationships to friendships to marriage relationships, uh, family relationships. But um, there's a book by Les and Leslie Perot who are uh, doctors and Christian counselors, and they wrote an amazing book called The Good Fight. There's a quote on it, quote in that book I want to share with you. It says this, All couples fight. Fighting is as intrinsic to marriage as sex, and the goal for both activities is to do them well. Can I get an amen? <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. What matters is how we fight, not whether we fight. It's how we fight, and I love this part. It's the quality of our quarreling that determines the closeness of our relationships. It's the quality of our quarreling that determines the closeness of our relationships. It's so good. So, MT, which one do you feel like you side more with, flight or fight? Well, I definitely would say the majority of the time growing up, I've gotten better, you know, we grow, but I would say it would be fight. Yeah, that's my feisty girl. And for me, um, I feel like I tend to be more my natural in my way, and God has grown me so much in this way to now, and this is the thing, when you understand biblically what the purpose of conflict is, that conflict doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be something that actually draws you closer to better understand the person you're in relationship with, and by the way, to better understand yourself. The more I've grown to understand this, I have grown in how I handle conflict and my response to conflict. But in my natural sense, my natural tendency that I can easily slip back into in the flesh is, is for flight. It's to escape. It's to avoid. Uh, it's to deflect any kind of conflict. But there's a really funny uh, video clip that we want to play for you that kind of shows you one of these responses to conflict. Okay, Rachel, why don't you start talking first? All right. I feel that this is totally unjustified. She gave me the green light. I did nothing... <laughs> Do you think I can't see you in the TV set? <laughs> All 
right, Monica, if there is something that you would like to share... You know, you had no right to go out with him. That, that is the most no, ridiculous... You sold me out. I did not say yes, you did. did. You I did. absolutely you let sold me, me talk. <laughs> did you just flick me? <laughs> okay, well, you wouldn't let me finish, and I was just... <laughs> Ow, that hurt. <laughs> Quit flicking. Ow, you... you want okay <laughs> oh that's what you want yes fine fine there we go that was great so good don't think I have been that much of a fighter maybe I, I might have tackled him a, a couple times but so we think it's really healthy for you just to take a moment and look at the way you fight. This is something you might not typically just pause and look at, but it's really good to, to look at why you do the things you do, how you do the things you do, and how you can better change them to be more like Christ. So this fight mode, you're definitely more interested in winning. Um, a lot of times it's just a reaction that comes out. Um, there's definitely pride that's behind it a lot of times, but even behind the pride can be um, just a, a need to be heard, a need to be seen, fear, and rejection. Um, it's also driven, um, yeah, by past hurts and struggles. Yeah. And for me, you know, the, that natural tendency to fly, to escape, to avoid, uh, to deny there's even a problem. For many of us, that's, that's our response. Uh, in fact, uh, it was funny. I was talking to some, somebody came up to me after service and said, um, me and my husband have never fought, you know, for like 50-something years of marriage. And she said, it's because my husband just, he never, he never does anything with how he's feeling. And this can be really, really dangerous. That's not necessarily a good thing. I think sometimes we think, oh, because we don't fight, we're healthy and that's good. And that cannot necessarily be true when we lean into this flight response where we just escape we for the sake of trying to be a peacekeeper not a peacemaker and there is a difference there uh, our tendency can be I just want to keep the peace I don't like fighting uh, I get uptight when somebody engages me in conflict so my natural tendency is I'm going to lean away from that and so we could push down our feelings we could bury them we could try to just move past and and then what can happen is they build up. See, these conflicts and words that were said, they have a cumulative effect over time. They don't go away. They build up like in a bank account. And I love in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, Paul says, keep no records of wrong. But, but the reality is, is for most of us, we do. 
These things don't just go away. They're there um, behind the scenes. And even though we might try to deny them, we might try to avoid them, they're building up. And this is why for many of us who, who land on this flight side, we could get to a point where it's like a volcano. Like it has just been bubbling underneath the surface and it can erupt just like that. And, and you could have somebody ever get into a, a conflict with somebody and they just like puke on you like this stuff that just comes out for like the last seven years it never ceases to amaze me when I've done some uh, counseling with couples how we'll get in the room and I'm trying to help figure out what the root of the problem is and somebody will bring something up from like seven years ago that will like blindside it could have been something you said or something you did that really hurt or wounded that person that has just been lying there underneath the service that offense has taken a root and now everything that you do is filtered through that lens of that hurt that wound that offense and even um passive aggressive behavior is even a form of flight it's where I'm not bold enough to really fight you, but I want you to know that I'm not happy with you, so I'm not going to attack you just outright, but I'll passively, aggressively attack you by doing something to make your life miserable or uncomfortable, but I won't directly attack you. You've never done anything like that, have you, MT? No. <laughs> Okay, fine. He wants to, me to share these things, and I'm going to look like a horrible person. No, just kidding. I'm really not. But yeah, you know, like uh, we were on our way to Whitefish to go out to dinner, and we got into an argument, and instead of just like hashing it out, I just slowly turn up the music so I can't hear him talking anymore, or maybe... <laughs> or chewing my gum. Oh, yes. He chews very loudly. Um, or um, being in the kitchen when he was supposed to unload the dishwasher and I asked him several times but he was um, doing holy things studying <laughs> I don't then, know Margo no and then I decide to unload the dishwasher but everybody in the house knows I'm unloading the dishwasher because I'm putting things in very loudly so everybody knows that I went and did it instead of him yeah, so either way, you would get our point across. But either of these responses, they're not healthy. No. They don't help us in the conflict. It's a lose-lose. We're not going to win that war. That's the war that you cannot win. We have to break that cycle. And the only way to break that cycle is to get into the third response. And the third response is one of love. It is one of peacemaking. Peacemaking is the goal in a conflict resolution that is really godly. And looking at 1 Corinthians 13, we read it, all those things of love. I mean, that's a high standard. But that is what we should set our, you know, our eyes to and try yeah. to uh, attain that. And can I just say that the, the church is really bad at this. And this is one of the reasons why we, we try to dedicate a message every year on how to handle conflict biblically because in the church there's this kind of um, unspoken rule that we want to keep the peace, right? So we don't come to each other and we don't know how because we haven't learned how to handle conflict properly. It's just so much easier to um, escape. It's to deny. I mean, we do things like, 
When we get into conflict, we leave the house, we slam the door, we shut ourselves in the room, we end a friendship, we quit a job, we file for divorce, or we change churches. And in most cases, running away only postpones a proper solution to the problem. And the church has to model this for the world. We have to get this right. There's so much at stake. Our relationships are at stake. The church is at stake. People are looking to the church for solutions to how to do this. And we have everything we need right here in the Word of God to teach us how to do this the and right not, way. And not only that, you're worth it. Right? Every one of you out there is worth having deep relationships with people because it gives us life. You're worth it, I'm worth it, and the world absolutely deserves it. Deserves a church that is modeling this healthy. So if we're gonna be peacemakers, we, we have to learn to be peacemakers. We have to have a goal of peacemaking. And so we've, we've created an acronym for you with four points that are more practical that we're gonna get into before we close, and that is this. G, glorify God. O, own your part. A, act graciously. And L, let love win. So the first one, glorify God. First Corinthians does a really great job, First Corinthians 10, of telling us that we should glorify God in everything. So whatever you eat or whatever you drink, do it all. Yes, do it all for the glory of God. And this is even a scripture that I remind my kids. When you're unloading the dishwasher, do it to the glory of God. Like everything that we do, we should do it to the glory of God. And like Pastor Lance was saying, we as Christians, we've got to get this. It's so very important so that we can be the light of the world that God has called us to be. Um, Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Jesus was our absolute ultimate example, and we've got that. We've got that example. He was a servant leader. He put others first. He, he glorified God in everything he did. So you've got some conflict? Pause. Hit the pause button. Check your heart. Look, what, look at your heart and what you need to see in yourself so that you can glorify God and that you can, instead of tearing yourself away from people, that you can come together and that you can come alongside people and that you can heal together. That's so good. Every conflict is an opportunity to glorify God by tapping into his grace, his love, his goodness, and to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to be an agent, of, of have this ministry that Paul talks about. Think about it. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, not just to um, God, but to other people. We have this. We have the spirit of the living God in us, and everything we do, we want to bring glory to God through our relationships. The second one is own your part. Own your part. And you know what? I, this, our natural reaction isn't to own our part. Our natural reaction is to point out what you've done wrong, to judge other people um, based on what they've said, what they've done. And Scripture is really clear. In fact, Jesus gave us, um, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, he, he gave us a little bit of a formula here. It says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way which you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, check that out. Listen to the verbs. The measure that we judge people, it will be measured to you. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me get the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, and here's the formula, first, 
before you ever go to somebody else with what they've offended you with or what they've done for you, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll be able to actually see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so here's the problem. We have woundings. We have that perspective that we see and we process with. And there's so many times because we've been hurt, we can have this oversensitive attitude that we get offended so easily. Come on, in our culture today, everybody gets offended about everything. It is a hypersensitive culture. I'm like, please people, can we just like chill out and not get offended by every little thing? And the church can be so bad at this. We can get so offended by the way somebody looked at us or said something to us. And, and we have to recognize that there's, there's two things. First, when we, I love what Andy Stanley does. When a married couple comes to his office, he says, draw a, a circle like a pie and then and then create a piece of the pie that you own that is your part of the problem and I love that because it, it gets us in the habit of thinking first what is my part what there's usually two faults number one we could be over have an overly sensitive attitude or number two we may have contributed to the conflict by our own sin and own sinful behavior you have to ask yourself first is this really worth fighting over? Like seriously, some of the things, I think back over the years, some of the things we've gotten into arguments about, I look back now and be like, are you kidding me? That was not worth it. That was not worth fighting for. So the first thing we can do um, is we can overlook a minor offense. There is no other, other better way to act godly and to love like 1 Corinthians 13 than to overlook an offense. And to just say, you know what, that's not even worth me going to. So I try to bring it to God first. And many times I'll even ask him, God, um, what is in me? Why did I get, why am I so sensitive to that? Why did I react that way when Mary Terrell said that to me? And this is such a great opportunity for us to do like, like King David did. Search me, oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Search me. Know my wounds. You want to know where you're wounded? Know how you respond in conflict. That gives you insight into where you've been hurt, where you've been wounded, and where you need healing from God. The third one is act graciously. We have a great example in Matthew 18 of how we should handle conflict. You go to the person. First of all, you check yourself. You go to the person, and if it doesn't get resolved, then you take somebody with you. And if that doesn't get resolved, then you bring them before the church. Hopefully, it doesn't escalate to that manner. But when you do this, you need to act graciously. Don't go to them with a list of 20 things that you want to hammer them for. But you go to them with love, the love of Christ, and have empathy in your heart. Take a moment and look at where they've been. Look at the shoes that they're standing in. Look at their situation. It's not all about us all the time, but act graciously in that. And speak the truth in love. If you can win your friend over or the person that you had conflict with, at the end, if you are reconciled, then well done. That means that you spoke in love. That means that you acted with grace. And that means that you were graciously... Um, graciously encountering them as your relationship got restored. Yeah, I love that scripture in Proverbs 15, 1 in the Amplified Version. It says this, a soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath, but harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. And how many times have, have I not acted graciously to her and just said something in the heat of the moment or said something out of emotion that was careless, that hurt her, 
And we can diffuse a situation immediately just by the way that we respond. Catch yourself. Watch the way that you talk. Watch the words that you're saying. Watch your body language. We, when, it's amazing how when you can, if she's upset and she even comes at me, if I choose to respond and act graciously, I can diffuse a fight. I can diffuse a conflict right there by the way I act. It's so hard to be mean to somebody again when they're so kind to you. <laughs> like, I'm coming at you. I love you. You look beautiful today. <laughs> well, and the empathy piece is so huge, too. I'll never forget one time that we were in a, a prayer session together, and there was something that came up about her past that I never realized about her. And I started to weep in that moment when I recognized that there's, there's, some, there's a deep hurt and wound in her that for years I didn't see and recognize. And when I was able to empathize with her in that area of wounding, my empathy level just rose so much and I had so much more grace and so much more love and so much compassion for her. It was amazing. Which leads to our last point, let love win. Let love win. We have to allow the Spirit of God to work in us the love that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. I love that in verse 8 he says, love never fails. If we choose to fight the way the world does, if we choose to fight dirty, if we choose to stay in the fight trap, we will never win. That is a war that you cannot win. Yet, when we choose to let love win, when we choose to allow the love of God to work in us and work through us, you cannot lose. Love always wins. Love wins because love conquered death in the grave and sin on the cross. And I don't know about you, one of the greatest ways that we can let love win is when we choose to forgive other people. We have to recognize that, love, that forgiveness is one of the greatest forms of love. It's one of the greatest forms of that agape love that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. I love that he says, love keeps no records of wrong. But yet so many of us, we've been, we've been hurt, we've been wounded because we've engaged in conflict in an unhealthy way. And over the years, just resentment and bitterness and anger have built up into us and we're frustrated. And maybe there's some of you in the room, maybe there's some of you that are watching online that you just, you're ready to throw in the towel. You don't know how to break free, break out of that trap that you've been stuck into. Okay, let me tell you where it starts. Is number one, you gotta receive the forgiveness of God. Can I tell you that forgiveness is not a feeling? You don't have to feel like forgiving somebody to forgive them. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is an event and it's a process. Forgiveness is when I choose to forgive somebody, but those feelings don't go away right away. And this is where we get, we get stuck sometimes. We think, well, I, I did forgive them, but I still feel angry. You gotta keep forgiving them. When, when Peter asked, the disciples asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive our brother if he sins against me? Seven times, like, is that good enough? And Jesus said, no. 70 times seven. In other words, if you're gonna really break free, you gotta keep choosing to forgive. Keep choosing to let go of holding on to that offense. Choose to wipe the slate clean. Ephesians 4.32, we're gonna end on this. It says, be kind and helpful to one another, 
tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Now, I don't know about you, but I stand up here today. I'm not perfect. I haven't been perfect in our relationship. I haven't, I haven't loved my wife. I haven't loved people in relationships the way that it talks about always in 1 Corinthians 13. I don't even deserve to have the relationships that I have if it wasn't for the forgiveness of Christ. And so many of us, when we think about trying to have relationships this way, it seems impossible. Can I tell you something? It is impossible. God set it up that way, that in order to love the way that God calls us to love, it's going to be impossible out of your own strength, out of your own ability. And this is the beautiful thing about love and relationships. It forces us to lean into the forgiveness and to lean into the grace, to lean into the compassion, to lean into the kindness of God. The Bible says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. The first step in all of this is we have to recognize we have been forgiven so much. Who are we? Who are we to withhold forgiveness to somebody else? And so I just want to close our service by just asking, maybe there's some of you here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never stepped into the one relationship that has the possibility to change all other relationships. You'll never be able to love this way. You'll never be able to break free from this unhealthy cycle, these fight traps that we get stuck in. You won't be able to be healed of the wounds of the past that are sabotaging your relationships without first being forgiven and set free by Jesus. So I want to pray for you. And then Mary Terrell's going to pray for you. I believe that there's some of you here today, maybe you've been stuck in that fight trap. You, you're here today and you don't, know how to get, you don't know how to get set free from it. You feel hopeless. You feel broken. You feel frustrated. You feel stuck. And I believe that God sovereignly brought you here today so that he can do a miraculous work in your life to break that cycle in your life to set you free to be able to love in relationships like you never have before. So can we take a moment to just pray? I want to say if that's you here today, friend, don't leave here today without first surrendering your life to Jesus. And you can do that. You can become a Christian. You can become a follower of Jesus Christ by simply praying this prayer in faith today. Would you pray it with me if that's you? If you're here today and you want to make that decision, It'll be the best decision you ever made in your life. The power to transform your life and your relationships. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking. God bless you. I see your hand right there. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. Maybe you're watching online and today's the day you want to give your life to Jesus. You can just write in the comment section, I believe. Can we all just pray this prayer together? Whether you raised your hand or not, if you believe this and you pray this prayer in your heart, I believe God will come into your life and do a miraculous work in you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me as me. I believe 
You are the Son of God. And today, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and wash me clean. I surrender my life to you and commit my life to you to live the rest of my life for your will and for your glory. Would you change my relationships as you've changed mine with you? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would put your finger on any area in our hearts, yes, in God. our relationship that needs your healing. Come on, if you're struggling in your relationship, this prayer is for you. Holy Spirit, would you invade our hearts right now? We just pause and welcome you in. God, we thank you that your desire is that we would have healthy relationships. And Father, I ask that you would break right now bondages over people who have relationships that need to be healed. God, would you break that yes, unforgiveness? God. Would you illuminate Lord. it, Father Lord. God, so that we can deal with it and that we can get healing? Yes, God. God, I ask for your healing right now to flow into hearts that have been wounded by conflict. Would you flow in right now and heal, Father God, that your life and your joy and your peace and all that you are, Father God, would pour into hearts right now. God, we receive it. God, show us how to love better. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Yeah. There's some of you that I believe that God is saying today is the day that that cycle gets broken. Today is the day you need to lay down your offenses. Today is the day that you need to wipe the slate clean. And if you'll wipe the slate clean, God will wipe the slate clean. And he will restore your relationships. And this will be a process. But today is the day that you step into it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.